ഫിനൽസ്റ്റ്രേലിയുണ്ട് So a lot of things have changed since then for South Africa hasn't it Yes lots of things have changed they announced a new ODI captain in Abi de Villiers and he won't be able to captain because he broke his finger at the Champions League so it's been almost a double change with the second change being um unexpected in that Hashimamla will now have to captain the ODI and T20 sides against Australia and they would also have lost an experienced batsman in Abi de Villiers and um it, it's resulted in a recall for Mark Boucher to the ODI side he missed out on the World Cup but um he he's made it very clear that he'd still like to play ODI cricket and he's getting his chance he does have a hamstring injury but he's expected to be fit for the the ODI series um and Graham Smith will be taking a kind of back seat role he he won't be the captain but he has been picked in both the T20 and the ODI squads despite really really struggling with form especially in the limited overs aspects of the game for the last sort of 18 months um he'll be coming up against an old nemesis in Mitchell Johnson and it'll be very interesting to see how he takes on his new role there's also the change of coach in Gary Kirsten who led India to that world cup victory he'll be taking the helm as the south african coach and that he would have only had 3 days with the team who will assemble tomorrow in cape town so they'll only have 3 days together to prepare to listen to what gary kirsten's strategies are they did have a four day training camp at the arabella golf estate but it sounded more like they were playing golf and getting to know each other than anything else so in terms of actual cricket under gary kirsten it's going to be a tight squeeze um okay i, I want to touch up on uh, the uh, choice of abd Villiers uh, as captain for uh, the t- uh, limited over sides uh, SA sides um well it wasn't that surprising but there is um you know a school of opinion that Hashim Amla should have been the next in uh, next one in line but he didn't get uh, that opportunity uh, to be the captain of uh, you know the limited over sides and eventually replaced Graham Smith you know uh, hashim has led the under 19 south africa side and uh, if i'm not mistaken he has also led uh, his domestic side the dolphins correct he has he only led them for one season that was in 2004 5 and he stepped down from the captaincy after that saying that it affected his batting and although he scored a couple of hundreds in that season um he did struggle in, in the later later half of the, of that campaign hashim amla has made no secret of the fact that he wants to be a backroom guy he doesn't want to be the captain he doesn't want to take the leadership he's being forced to because of ab's injury so yes people are, are disappointed that hashim amla wasn't appointed captain but they should bear in mind that it's not really something he wants to do whereas ab de villiers i think is more embracing of the role than hashim amla 
Oh, okay. Um, that is interesting. But is there a, you know, any scope of someone like Ashim Amla ever becoming captain of South Africa? I know it's a loaded question. Not, not unless he wants to. Um, and Hashim Amla certainly doesn't want to. So uh, what, if you're asking if a person of, of, of color can ever become a South African captain, certainly. Ashul Prince was captained in the Test Arena. I think J.P. Dumini might be a contender perhaps in a couple of years' time. We've, uh, we've got a young guy, Quinton de Kock, who's a wicketkeeper batsman for Gauteng, who I think would make a, a very good captain in 10 years' time. Um, Hashim Amla is a wonderful batsman and a great player and I think would make a great captain. But if he doesn't want it, certainly nobody can force it on him. Okay, fair enough. Uh, regarding the uh, selections, you know, uh, now AB was made the captain, now he's hurt. Albie Markle, who was in the T20 squad, he's hurt. Um, you had uh, Mornay Van Wick, uh, who was the captain in, during the, sorry, not the captain, the wicketkeeper in the uh, World Cup squad. Uh, he's been dropped. Johan Botha, uh, who has led previously in the T20s and, you know, when Graham Smith wasn't available in the ODIs. Now, uh, he's not the captain anymore, ABS. Um, and Mark Boucher, he wasn't considered good enough to be part of the World Cup squad. But now he's been brought back in, uh, for better or worse. Uh, what is the general feeling about the job uh, South African selectors are doing? Look, I think the selectors have reverted back to a very conservative strategy in recalling Mark Boucher. Um, the, obviously, a series against Australia is important and not... Not, not something that, that should be used as a training ground to blood a new wicketkeeper. At the same time, as we know, Mark Barcher isn't getting any younger, and the, the search for a wicketkeeper to take over the reins for him has, has been extensive and, and without success. There hasn't really been a keeper in the South African scene that's put his hand up. Heino Kuhn will captain in the T20s. Mm -hmm. Not captain, sorry. He will keep in the T20s. And that's all he's ever done. They've never given him a chance in ODIs, which to me says they don't have confidence in Heino Kuhn. Although he's a, a very talented batsman. Um, they've thrown away a lot of keepers. Tommy Tolakile has only been given limited opportunity. Davy Jacobs has never been considered. Perhaps Dane Villas might get a look in in the future. I think Mark Boucher's selection, although justifiable given the, the, the huge interest and, and importance of the series, um, is going backwards slightly. He mentioned um, Johan Boerta, who is in the squad. I don't think we'll see three spinners being played as we did in the World Cup, so it'll be a juggle between Imran Tahir, Robin Peterson, and Johan Boerta. And, and really, it would depend on whether they want the extra batter or not, because Johan Boerta can play in that all-rounder's role. Robin Peterson can also play as an all-rounder's role, but he'll probably bat slightly lower down the order. None of the three spinners has done anything that would merit them being dropped at this stage, so they've all done really well. Mornay van Weyck, very unlucky to miss out on, on selection. He's a top-order batsman. He could have replaced A.B. de Villiers. And um, he's been consistent for many, many seasons. Unfortunately, it just doesn't look as though he's going to get another look in. I think the, the World Cup was probably his first and last opportunity. And um, he's also, you know, not a young man. So I don't think Mornay van Vake will be looked at at all. Albie Morkel was considered in the T20 squad only. He's picked up a side strain 
which happened during last year's Champions League as well. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate for Albi Morkel. You know, lots of people are, are calling for him and, and talking about him. And every time he gets picked for the national team, something untoward happens and he can't make it. So very unfortunate for him. But Ryan McLaren takes his place. Yeah. Very promising talent. And, and Ryan McLaren's done very well on the domestic scene for many years. I don't know that he'll become the Lance Klusner type of all-rounder South Africa are looking for, but certainly a competent player who will do well. An interesting one for me is that Colin Ingram, who, mm-hmm. who is really a very talented batsman, has been left out of the ODI side. David Miller takes his place, and Colin Ingram will only play in the T20s. I, I don't think that's a very good move by the selectors. I think Colin Ingram's got a big future ahead of him. Uh, in the bowling department, we see Wayne Parnell and Nonwabo Totsobe keeping their places. Delph James rested for the T20s, and uh, Mornay Morkel will play in, in the entire series. So some, some good solid bowling for South Africa. Jacques Callas also been rested for the T20s. A good idea. He certainly needs to be managed as he comes to the end uh, in the years of his career, maybe two or three years left. All around, I think, a good squad. South Africa's got a strong squad, as they so often have. Uh, that wicketkeeper position is still a big issue for me. So, so you give a thumbs up to the selectors? Uh, I'm not sure about that. You know, I think the wicketkeeper, which was really the one issue and the thing we were all looking at, that's the one where they haven't shown any innovation. So that gets the thumbs down. The rest of it probably gets the thumbs up. Um, You talked about Boucher, Kalish, people getting old, and et cetera. Um, Looking at uh, the bowling side of South Africa, of course you have Stein, of course you have Mornay, and uh, Lanwabo Sotsobe, he did well with the opportunities that was given to him in the uh, home series against India. Um, what, are the, what is the backup bowler situation? I mean, you have a couple of names. You, you have Zondeki, you have Fredel DeWitt. Uh, what, what, what is the fast bowling resources right now in mm-hmm. South Africa? I mean, it's, it's kind of a funny question to ask, you know, considering, you know... You no, have... look... No. <laughs> Not at all. I think it's a very relevant question because at the moment I think South Africa's fast bowling backup resources are, are a point of concern and a point of interest. Alan Donald mentioned when he went on the A tour um, to Zimbabwe that he's concerned about the, the bowlers that are coming through at the next level. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say there are not that many coming through. Wayne Parnell is probably regarded as the, the most um, competent backup bowler should something happen to one of Stain or Morkel. The one you mentioned, Mondo Zandeki, has been plagued by injuries. He's out of contact this season. He doesn't even have a franchise to play for. Mm-hmm. So he's certainly not going to be making a comeback anytime soon. Friedel de Vett has had a, uh, a, a long history of back injury. And, yes, he played those two tests against England. I think he's just going to become a kind of two-test wonder. And he is playing for the Dolphins, but and he's got some gas, but I can't, I can't see Fiddle DeVette making a comeback. There's an interesting prospect at the Lions, a young fellow called Craig Alexander, mm-hmm. who bowls you know, in the late 140s, sometimes he can get up to 150. Um, and, and he looks a good talent, a little bit inconsistent though, which would need uh, some working on. Around the country, I mean, there's Bashir Walters, who's at the Warriors, not getting a lot of game time at the moment. There's Rusty Tehran, who really is, has been so unlucky. Rusty was picked in that World T20 side for the West Indies tournament, which was the, uh, last year, mm-hmm. and he never got a game. He, he's a specialist death bowler and, and really quite a talent who shouldn't be ignored for much longer, I wouldn't think. 
So he would be someone to look out for. And then there's Vernon Philander, who uh, was at, with the Cobras during the current Champions League. You may have seen him there. Vernon Philander has topped the first-class rankings or you know, been in the top three for the last two or three seasons. And, and he's really improved since he first played in a tri-series with uh, India and Ireland in 2007 or 2008, somewhere back then. Um, he's not very quick, but he's got you know, a lot of variation. And I think we've realized as time's gone, gone by that sometimes pace isn't everything. You know, just ask Sean Tate. You can still get him for 80 <laughs> and 8 overs. Um, and, and Vernon Philander has got a bit of variation. So, so certainly he should be looked at. I think he's also been unlucky not to have been considered a couple of times. Um, hopefully they, the selectors will um, give, give the nod to some guys who've been very uh, convincing and very consistent at domestic level. So, you know, Jacques you still have him uh, as a backup uh, seam bowler. Um, so as long as he's there, you know, the balance can be maintained. But from the looks of it, I mean, all the names you mentioned, you know, I recognize them certainly, um, but a lot of them I didn't, I wasn't under the impression that they're test quality bowlers, you know. Uh, you have Stain, Merkel, um, Sotsobe, maybe, and then Callis. Um, so, you know, so are South Africa maybe like, you know, a Zahir Khan type injury away from losing the series, test series 2-0? Or, you know, 3 Absolutely, yeah. I think, I think it's a definite worry. Um, look, Jacques Callis, we've got to be very honest about the realities of Jacques Callis, and the reality is that he's going to have to be looked after very carefully as he reaches the end of his career. I don't think he'll be made to bowl loads and loads of overs. He certainly can't be the donkey bowler in the way Paul Harris was. Um, he's getting older, and he's probably going to have to look to bowl less as his career nears the end. So he... he of course, he's a very reliable, fantastic player, but I don't think he can be looked at as the answer to South Africa's bowling problems. Um, as you've said, it's, it is concerning that the number of bowlers coming through are not as many as we'd like to, to see. Um, if one of Stain or Morkel gets injured, um, it will be a big problem in a test match, certainly. Wayne Parnell probably isn't ready to play, you know, a two- or three-match series. I don't think he's, he's got that in him yet. You know, um, I think... At the next level, the sort of level just below franchise cricket, we may be seeing one or two guys come through. A youngster called Mashant de Lange, who um, played for the Titans last weekend, and, and one of the Knights batsmen said they found him to be quicker than Mornay Morkel. Mm. So, you know, there, there might be little spots of hope somewhere, but uh, Alan Donald wasn't wrong when he, when he said that he is a little bit concerned because I think um, that that era of great fast bowlers may, may not be as... Um, never ending as we thought. In terms of the bowler that's going to do the holding job in test cricket, it's an interesting one because Imran Tahir is certain to play and that will mean three strike bowlers in Stain, Morkel and Tahir and, and nobody really except perhaps Sotsobe who may have to get quite a lot fitter if he's going to be bowling 30 or 40 overs mm -hmm. in an innings. Um, perhaps, you know, it will be quite something if Paul Harris is made to play and we suddenly see a test side, a South African test side with two spinners, Imran as the attacking bowler and Paul Harris as the containing bowler. Um, I don't think, uh, you, if you had told me that, I might have laughed a few weeks ago, but um, <laughs> maybe, it, maybe we'll see it. Maybe we will. Um, so on the batting side, you know, the current side, you know, looks very strong. You know, you have Smith, uh, Callis, Amla, you know, De Villiers when he's fit, um, uh, even Batcher, Prince, Peterson, Alvaro. Uh, so the top seven looks very solid. But Absolutely. Yeah. Look, the South African top six is a formidable, formidable looking lineup. I think Smith 
is the concern, although he's still the test captain, so you know he keeps his place in, in that test side. Um, remember, Smith had a lean patch against India. Mm-hmm. Um, the last 100 he scored was against the West Indies, and I'm not really sure we can... We can count that, you know, against mm-hmm. a, a top team. Smith has struggled recently, and it hasn't been helped by the spate of hand injuries that he's been plagued by. As we said earlier, he's going to come up against Johnson, who, I don't know, maybe he'll be aiming at the hands when he runs into the ball. Um, and, and I think he's the concern. Peterson, an interesting one. He did very well in last season's Super Sports, uh, sorry, last week's Super Sports series. He scored 186. Not so well this week. But Jacques Rudolph is also knocking on the door there. De Villiers, we're not sure if he'll be fit in time for the first test against Australia, so maybe Rudolph could slot into the middle order at some point. Callis, we don't have to talk about. We know mm-hmm. all the, the quality that he has. Um, Amla, we don't have to talk about as well. Also scored a double hundred last weekend, so really a lot of quality there. That number six spot is interesting. It'll be a Prince versus Dumini shootout. Mm-hmm. Dumini may may win the shootout because um, he could bowl a little bit. And he, he bowled quite well for the Cobras, although it was a T20 tournament in India recently. But um, he, he's certainly working on his bowling. I think Prince still has the better temperament. And, and against Australia, you're probably going to want someone with a better temperament. Um, but Prince is going to need to score some runs if he wants to keep his place. And I think he'll be feeling the pressure, certainly. So if I heard you correct, um, outside of this top six, you have Rudolph, basically. Uh, what is the future of South African batting? Because, you know, Carlos has to vacate his place soon enough. And more importantly, like, does Graham Smith warrant um, a spot in the team and be, continue to be the test captain, considering the form that he has been in the last two years? Yeah, I think Graham Smith, if he wasn't the test captain, may have been dropped. Um, uh, but, you know, he hasn't been through a great patch of form. He's got a very... Um, interesting-looking technique, which isn't the most elegant. And, um, you know, he hasn't done much to keep his form. I think an opening combination of Peterson and Rudolph wouldn't be the worst thing at the moment. But um, Smith's done a lot of work. He's been working really hard over the the off-season. He had a knee operation after he picked up an injury at the IPL. And um, he's been training with Claremont Cricket Club in Cape Town. Mm -hmm. He did um, two club matches, and he also played for the Western Province amateur side. He hasn't scored big runs, but he's had some time in the middle, and he certainly looks a more measured man than he did sort of six months ago, seven months ago. I think he he understands that he's going to also have to start scoring some runs if he hopes to to convince people that he deserves his place. Obviously, as the captain, he won't be dropped, but um, there's been a lot of calls for for what should be done in that department and, and what can be done with an underperforming Smith. I think he knows that he's going to have to start performing. I would, uh, I mean, considering the fact that, you know, he was brought in as a, you know, 21-year-old and he's been the captain for so long now, um, would, if push comes to shove, would the South African selectors, uh, I mean, selectors in pretty much any country basically tend to be conservative. Uh, South Africa is no exception. Of course. Um, you know, considering that he's, He's uh, not had a great run of form. Uh, he's had the constant injuries. Uh, you know, and the top sides have had a measure of him lately. Uh, is there a situation where South African selectors, you know, tell Smith, maybe not in this Aussie series, of course, uh, but uh, in the near future that, you know what, uh, we have come to the end of it. Uh, you don't warrant a spot as a batsman in the side, which means you cannot be the captain as well. Uh, would there be... Would they have the balls to drop him? <laughs> Just off the top of my head, I'd say no. 
Um, I don't think they'd be willing to do that. I think they would um, hope that should he hit another patch of miserable form and, and that sort of thing, he would step down of his own. But I can't see anything like that happening, to be quite honest. I think um, they'll let him play for as long as, as he wants to play, basically. You know, he's he's done some great things for South African cricket, the double hundreds in England, batting with a broken hand, winning a test series in Australia. Um, he doesn't deserve terrible treatment, but... You know, you can only build up credit for so long. So yeah. I think there'll be pressure on him to perform, but I don't necessarily think the selectors will say, Graham Smith, it's time for you to go. I think he's still got a, a good few years left. Um, let's talk about the uh, Aussie series as, uh, itself a little bit. Um, you know, the entire tour consists of two T20s, three ODIs, and just two tests. You know, you have two marquee teams. Uh, you know, yeah, they're not number one and two in the world right now, but, you know... <coughs> Australia, South Africa is always very good cricket. You know, we thought, you know, only BCCI can be blamed for such scheduling. Uh, but, you know, you have two marquee teams and yet you have only two tests. What's with that? Sure, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, it was Australia and South Africa are shareholders of the Champions League. So, really, they can't, um, you know, they chose to partake in that competition. And, and that's the reason for there only being two tests instead of three. I suppose you could argue that they could have left out the T20s or left out the ODIs, but mm -hmm. I guess you've got to play, play, you know, across all three formats of the game. Two tests is not ideal, and I'm sure if it's a drawn series at one all or even, you know, both, both matches are drawn and the series is drawn, people will be saying, oh, if only we could have had a third. Mm -hmm. um, as we were saying after the South Africa-India series, if only we could have had a fourth. Yeah. But um, it will certainly still be... Um, an interesting series and a, a competitive series, certainly. And I think, you know, it gives South Africa a really good opportunity because if they can, can win both those tests and then whitewash Sri Lanka 3-0 at home, they'll go top of the test rankings. And that's really a, a, a huge incentive. Two tests are always easier than three and playing in Cape Town, which is um, really South Africa's fortress, and then they'll be playing up at the Wanderers, again, a venue where they, they, they tend to do quite well. So perhaps... They'll see it as a chance to go top of the test rankings. In terms of the T20s, I think it's important to get in some T20 cricket ahead of that World T20 next year in Sri Lanka, especially since South Africa are going to play no T20s against Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they need to get certainly some T20 match practice in. Australia will feel the same way, as Cameron White said this morning. So the T20s are important. And a three-match ODI series, well, you know, it's neither here nor there. But if we get another 4-3-8 game, nobody's going to complain. <laughs> Where do you? How do you see the series panning out? Uh, yeah, like forget about the T20s and the uh, ODIs. Uh, you, uh, you mentioned that you know South Africa have the incentive to you know win these two tests and then win against Sri Lanka and Australia coming into South Africa after having beaten uh, Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka. Um, so they seem to get some other things in order, but still they have problems with their bowling. Uh, you know, Harris is hurt. Uh, Mitchell Johnson, you don't know, um, so on and so forth. So uh, how do you see these two test series panning out? 2-0 for South Africa, 2-0 for Australia, one all. I think it will be quite interesting. You know, for, as you say, they've both got a lot to prove. Australia certainly don't want to look like a team that have, that have regressed a little bit from the powerful team they once were. So they're certainly going to come hard. They can't be underestimated at all. But in the same way, South Africa have a lot to prove. Um, it, you know, it's very, I'm not a big predictor of results, and I don't really like doing that kind of thing. But I think it, 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 it's, it's possible that it'll be 
so competitive that we'll have a drawn series. I hope not, because I hope that we have a winner and a, and a loser at the end of this, so we can gauge who's where, not necessarily just in test rankings, but also just after the changes both sides have gone through, new coaches, new captains, we want to be able to gauge who's where in, in this sort of world uh, elite cricket arena. So I would like a result in the series. I think uh, it will be very hard for Australia to beat South Africa in Cape Town, uh, j just being the place it is for the South African team. Mm -hmm. um, that is the, the venue that's likelier to spin, and we've seen Australia really struggle with, with finding a replacement for Shane Warne for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And with Imran Tahir, um, you know, really just lighting up the international arena, I think we're looking for a big performance from South Africa in Cape Town. Uh, Johannesburg, you know, I, I think that that'll be more of an even, evenly matched kind of venue. But um, yeah, I really hope we get a result in the series rather than a drawn series. Okay, um, I'll get let you go on the last question. Uh, you know, this is going to be the first, basically a follow up on the first question I asked. What is what do you think is the uh, effect of hiring Gary Kirsten and um, you know, he led India to number one ranking in the world and the World Cup. Um, how does it change being in a former, uh, you know, very successful opening batsman for South Africa, coming back with this huge pedigree of success? Uh, how does, does this push South Africa over the edge and become a truly elite nation where they, you know, win pretty much everything in sight? I'm going to have to answer in the words Gary Kirsten has used many times this summer. Haven't got a clue. <laughs> he, um, you know, Gary Kirsten has been around in a couple of press conferences and he's been asked a lot of questions about how he'll handle uh, more than one captain, something which he didn't have with India, where, where MS Dhoni is captain across all three formats. And he's been asked a lot about tactics and and he seems to have um, either he's hiding something and he's something very special is planned, or he really doesn't have a clue. And I, I tend to think it might be the latter because he's a very relaxed kind of person. Um, I think it will be very interesting to see how he deals with players that he used to share a, a change room with and, and, and share the field with, like Graham Smith, Jock Callis, and Mark Boucher. And I hope, for the sake of South African cricket, that he doesn't go back to... Um, enforcing what Herschel Gibbs would call a clique and that he doesn't encourage certain groups to form and certain certain negative team patterns to, to continue and to emerge. I think it will be very important that he includes all members of the side, young, older, you know, ones that are sort of in the middle of their careers, and, and that he allows the team to, to continue as they were in some ways under the old regime of uh, Corey Fonsale and Vincent Barnes. Mm -hmm. I think it will be very important that Gary... Um, Let's let's the team know that he's in charge. I think South Africa, unlike India, need a, a forceful coach. Mm -hmm. They need somebody who will tell them what to do and how to do it, rather than you know Gary's approach with India was very much to let the senior players do as they've always done and maybe just to bring the juniors up under them. I don't think that's going to work for South Africa. He'll have to change tack a little bit. They're all very excited. If you talk to the South African team, they'll all tell you how much they're looking forward to playing under Gary's watch. And, and I think that's a good thing, that they're, that they're excited about this and they, they're looking forward to doing well under a former player. Mm -hmm. And also, of course, Alan Donald is in the mix there. Um, I also think it will be an interesting dynamic with Russell Domingo. You know, Gary is going to become a father for a third time quite soon. Mm -hmm. And um, he, he wants to spend more time at home. So Russell Domingo could end up taking over either for, for smaller tours, maybe for ODIs. We're not really sure what's going to happen yet. We'll have to wait and see. And I hope that Russell Domingo, who is a very good coach and, and led the Warriors to their first ever domestic titles, 
Um, I hope he doesn't get shut out. I hope he gets allowed to to do as much coaching as he wants to do and uh, really to become, he's a young guy, you know, certainly um, probably the youngest coach South Africa have dealt with in, in the last couple of years. And I hope he gets allowed to have a voice as well. I think Alan Donald will be good for them, but uh, we have to be careful not to forget that it was it, it was a non-international bowler in Vincent Barnes who who let, made this attack what it is. And mm-hmm. he worked, you know, Dale Stane credits him with was doing a lot of work with him. Mornay Morkel's constant noble problem was was sort of helped by Vincent Barnes. So Alan Donald is an aggressive man, and he's made no no secret of his desire to turn this bowling attack into a bloodthirsty, aggressive <laughs> lot, which is great. And I hope that, you know, I think that will work. But um, I, I, I think they also they, they showed how they grew under somebody who wasn't quite so forceful. And let's hope that somebody who is is very forceful doesn't send them backwards or send them into a, a different kind of uh, panic and, and that sort of thing that, we, that you know, the bowling hasn't really been the problem in, in something like a World Cup. It's always been the batting. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it will be interesting to see how the team develops under this new trio of coaches. Certainly, you know, Corey Fonzel was never going to be a long-term solution. And Mickey also had his own problems with the team, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the Makai and Tini incident probably being the real blot of his career. But um, it'll, be, it'll be good for them. If, if it doesn't work out, I think then we might be saying some different things in a couple of months' time. <laughs> you know, Gary, as well, doesn't – India was great. He doesn't need his CV to be um, stained by a bad patch with South Africa. Yeah, so well, he that, will also demand good performances. Well, if that happens, India will just take him back. So. Yeah, India <laughs> will certainly be glad to take him back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> on that note, um, cool. thank you very much for coming on the show. I much appreciate it. Absolutely, sure. Pleasure. Okay, Thanks. cheers then. Bye. Bye. Couch Talk.